Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. According to the UK's Refugee Council website, the UK is home to approximately 1% of the world's more than 29 million refugees. Despite the seemingly small number, there are still many issues surrounding the understanding and the acceptance of refugees coming to this country. Sol Escobar works at Cambridge Assessment as an Assessment Manager in Languages and is the Chair for the Cambridge Refugee Support Committee. I asked Sol how the committee started. So we started it last year, at the beginning of last year, as a group of colleagues who came together and we all wanted to do something to support refugees, both in the area and also abroad. But we wanted to do it in a little bit more of a uh, organized fashion and to have a bit more of an impact than just uh, going to volunteer basically and it all started when I started volunteering in Calais and after the first one or two trips I took with one of the local charities in Cambridge called Cambridge Refugee uh, Convoy Action Group and I basically saw what was happening in Calais and came back and talked to colleagues about it and the most common response was that no one knew what was happening. They didn't know that there were still refugees in Calais. They didn't know that there were so many charities trying to help down there. And this is just two and a half hour drive from Cambridge. It's, it's not happening in a different world. It's happening just right there. So basically I came back and when I realized that people didn't know, I started organizing like lunchtime information sessions for, to tell people, you know, this is what happened if you want to get involved this is how these are the charities in Cambridge, the ones that I'm volunteering with. And so it, yeah, it ended up being that a lot of people were interested in helping out. So that's how we started. So before how you started, there was the impetus for you to go to Calais in the first place. What pushed you there? So I, I'm an immigrant myself and, you know, for a long time, considering all of the countries I lived in and then came to live in the UK, I've always been interested in cultures, languages, but also integration and the whole process of integration because I've had to kind of integrate into so many different cultures along the many years that, you know, it's been 20 years now that I've left my country. And so that was always in the back of my, of my mind, um, how to approach that subject and always talking to people about it. And when I came to Cambridge, I actually came across some charities that were very active in Cambridge in the refugee support field, uh, because there are many Syrian resettled families here in Cambridge, and there is a charity that supports them. And so talking to people, I came to find out about um, these charities doing this amazing work. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to learn more about that. And yeah, that's how I went to Calais for the first time. And that basically changed everything. It's one of those things that once you see what's happening, it's quite, it's hard to not do anything further so what was it about your own experience then as as a as an immigrant that motivated you to help refugees well personally as an immigrant i have a lot of privileges because i am white because i speak english 
I have a level of education, I have the right in quotation marks passport. Um, and so that allowed me to have this breadth of experience in living in other countries. However, even with all of those privileges, when I came to England and I actually wanted to access education, employment, settling down, etc., it was quite difficult to get through a lot of the different barriers. And that was for someone who was quite comfortable and confident and didn't have all the baggage that you might have if you're coming from a different background. And so speaking to refugees, I realized, well, if it, if it was that hard for me, what is happening for people that don't have those opportunities that I had? And it turns out it's not easy at all. There are those who have the attitude that, well, why should people be coming over here mm. and accessing our services, our benefits, taking our jobs? Why can't they stay home and, and work? Clearly, there are a myriad of reasons for, for that to not be the case. But why do you think then there is such a resistance to the other kind of refugee <laughs> or the other kind of immigrant than to the, the kind of immigrant that you are? Yeah, I think one reason is the unknown is because people don't have never met refugees have never talked to them have never asked them about their experiences i i find that it's very easy to detach yourself from a certain group of people when all you know about them comes through um, headlines in the news for example and they tend to be either negative or they tend to be something that is happening far away um, but it really isn't because it's happening in our communities um, and that is what with the committee we are trying to do we're trying to facilitate conversations between a group of people that normally might not might not have either the the inclination or the the i don't know the the facility to to find you know people or areas to have these conversations and what we want is just you know if people have these preconceptions and they have these questions we want them to ask the person with lived experience if what you want to know is why didn't you stay in the first safe country you came across you can ask them and then next time that you are in a situation where someone is saying you know using that as an argument for division then you can actually reply well actually i did ask a refugee why they didn't and it's not what is in the news it's actually for this and this and this reason and that is something that we have found very impactful in the conversations that we facilitate and those are questions that have actually come up you know why didn't you apply for asylum in france this person replied well because i was tortured five times by the french police why would i want to live in a country that does that to people and you know, that's the humane response. That's the human that has lived it. That's their reaction. And that has so much more impact than what you read in the news of why that might happen. So tell me then about the work that you do through your organization. So what we want to do are a couple of different things. So currently we focus quite a bit on raising awareness on facilitating these conversations. We bring speakers to tell their story, 
to the extent that they're comfortable doing so. We showcase um, documentaries. We bring authors to talk about their books, about their journeys. We organize all these kind of events that um, are aimed at raising awareness, cooking classes with refugee chefs that teach you about their culture and about a little bit about their language and about using these kind of situations as an opportunity to also learn from each other. Because I personally think, but we all kind of in the committee believe that integration is a two-way street, really. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't, all the responsibility shouldn't be placed on the foreigner to integrate into the host community but um why why do you think that's the case because again Mm. there are those that will say well hang on a second they've come over here they wanted Mm. to be over here then they should be like us because that's why they wanted to come over here why do we have to try and integrate with them yeah that's that is actually a very good point and it's something that has been discussed in in these forums that we facilitated and there are a couple of things there one that was something that one of the syrian refugee women pointed out is that not all of them want to be here they do want to do something have a positive impact when they're here but they are here to be safe until they can go back to their country and you know she pointed out that you know don't assume that everyone is here wanting to get benefits and not do anything we we are here we want to make a positive contribution but we do want to go back so that's one assumption i suppose but the other one is that like i said before there's there's such an amazing opportunity for us as a as a host community let's call it to learn from someone who has a completely lived experience that we would never be exposed to that has so much to offer that putting barriers i find is so counterproductive to how a society develops and i feel that to tell someone you have to integrate and how do you get through all of those if the place that you have to integrate into is not open to you and to learning about your experience and etc. I mean, even at a very different level for me, I have very close friends that know nothing about the country I come from because I sound quite English, because I look quite English, because I've adapted to the culture quite well. And even though I personally am always going to feel like an outsider to the host community, that's not a concern. That's my experience because of my background is very different. Different. I'm, I'm curious. You've described yourself, you've explained your situation, and you've also pointed out that many of the people that you're friends with and that you work with don't actually have much of an idea that you are from elsewhere or what your culture is like. Does anybody mm. ever ask you? Um, not really. How does, that make you, <laughs> how does that make you feel? A lot of people don't even know that I'm not from around here, um, except for my name. My name is very Spanish sounding. So when it comes to that, plenty of times I've encountered that, oh, you don't look South American, whatever that means. Don't you ever feel that somebody should ask you once they realise? I don't feel like they should, but sometimes I feel like, oh, that's it's such a shame. It's a missed opportunity because actually... I don't know if it's just me, but I love learning about people and about where they come from and what life is like in a place I've never seen. And 
a lot of people I know have never been to Uruguay or know what it's like there. So, you know, I don't force that on anybody, but sometimes I feel like, oh, it's a shame that, you know, there's no cultural exchange and mutual learning, I suppose. Before we move on to your future plans, I'm very interested, and I'm sorry to harp on about it, but I'm very interested in your interpretation of people from the UK seeing a white, blonde, Spanish-speaking, very little accent to her English woman, Hmm. and then you have a hijab-wearing woman from Syria. What do you think are the initial barriers to acceptance or understanding or even, you know, welcoming somebody into the community? Yeah, it's a great question because it's, you know, those initial barriers and that the way in which we are judged differently because of how we look is one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing because I because people might listen to me more than they might listen to someone who looks differently to me um, and what I want to do is facilitate those conversations because the refugee story is not my story and you know I can talk of my experience being a volunteer but I don't want to speak for a community that I that is not my experience. So what I want to do is to bring them to for them to tell their stories, and I think that facilitating that is is what I want to do basically because I have because I've heard their stories and they're so incredible and I feel myself very privileged to be able to know people that have done the things that they've done and they've been through what they've been through and they're still here incredibly resilient and wanting to to make the best of living here and I find that I've lived in five countries before coming to the UK and no one has ever asked me why I didn't stay in the first safe country I came across and I kept going until I found my home in the UK because I could it was a choice it was my choice to do that but it's not the choice of a lot of other people. And why should I have more right than someone else who doesn't have that choice? That in my head doesn't make sense. And I kind of want to showcase that. You work at Cambridge Assessment. How are you partnering with Cambridge Assessment through your organisation? Yes, so we started it within the organisation. So it's a staff-led committee basically and through corporate social responsibility we partner with that side of the organization to have for example some budget so that we can pay all of our speakers because that's another thing that we want to do as well is support refugees in that sense financially or refugee-led businesses so we try to organize events with with businesses etc so what we're doing we're doing it through Cambridge Assessment currently um and with the support of corporate social responsibility now because what we've been doing for the past year and a half has had so much impact and has resulted in people volunteering in projects and etc what i want to do personally and what i've been looking into is taking that 
to other organizations because why not i feel like within an organization that maybe has a thousand or two thousand staff is such a great way to reach a portion of the population that maybe wouldn't have been exposed to the refugee community for example and through corporate social responsibility especially now that let's hope but it seems like it's not no longer such a tick box and exercise anymore but that organizations truly want to make an impact and, and a change in communities then what i would like to do is to to take this idea of events and awareness raising and engaging staff in the refugee community and redirect csr funds into this community as well but not only as a not as a donation but as a, an active engagement of that community so you know with speakers or hiring services of led refugee-led businesses etc another part of what i want to do is to develop an, an education system not system but an education program for asylum seekers when they're in that stage of not being able to access any sort of education service or work or anything like that which is an issue that has come up over and over again in the conversations that i've had and what i would like to do is connect those two things so that through csr there could be mentoring in volunteering to connect with students asylum seekers in this education program so that there is a more active and empowering connection between the two rather than a donation or volunteering so this then becomes a social enterprise that you are trying that's to that's the idea yes that's the idea yeah so i've been taking some courses i've been to the social ventures weekend at the cambridge uh, business school which was i've i don't think i've ever learned so much in three days in my life <laughs> Um, and yes, this, this happened right before lockdown. So things have obviously changed and I've had to adapt, but that is the idea. I'm talking to a lot of people now and, um, and hopefully this will be something. Why do you think it's important that companies and organizations work with refugee groups? What will these companies and organizations get out of it? What will the refugee group get out of it? And how, how would you broker that relationship? Yes, great question. Um, because it's something that I've been thinking about <laughs> lately as I write out my, uh, my business plan. Um, so I think that the refugee community is a community that has been predominantly supported by charities and by grassroots groups that are doing an incredible job filling in the gaps where the government has stopped funding or support etc but what i find is that is a lot of um charities doing great work here and there um but i haven't found a connection between csr who is fantastic and they support a lot of you know underprivileged and underfunded etc sectors but it doesn't seem like they have accessed the refugee community yet. And I think that there are so many benefits of that connection because there are so many skills in the refugee community. There are people with incredible skills, education, wanting to work, and they currently are in that period where they can access any of that. And offering a program that has that support and that also offers that connection with csr 
that would be great obviously for that group but also on the side of the organizations it would have engagement for staff you know to have that impact into this community it's a community that is not getting any any smaller people will be there and they will continue to need support and even though the charities are doing incredible work i find that we need something at the next level as well to encourage that empowerment and to in integration etc and for csr what i'm trying to do is to develop this great program that i can take to them and say look you can you know this is what i'm offering um there's nothing that you have to do you just you know this will engage your staff to support this community and have this connection so you talk about how csr within companies and organizations will benefit you know the company the organization their staff by working with refugees doing voluntary work with with refugees but is there a way do you think to move that forward where companies themselves they're not just relying on their corporate social responsibility they're not just waving the flag about making a difference that they're actually making a difference internally by perhaps employing or training these people yes i mean that's the dream that is ultimately what i would like to achieve through this is that you know we could come to uh, partnerships with internships or with work experience or you know etc through the staff being involved in these initiatives that feeds back to the organization as well once you have people knowing refugees and what and what their skills are and what they can achieve etc is a much easier way to introduce this kind of initiative into the fabric of what the organization is i think that csr is a good way of getting in there because that is the whole point of csr and whether it's a tick box in exercise or not i think that the impact is how how we get there if it's just to tick a box, then fine, it's to tick a box. But then, you know, I'll bring you over, I'll show you what we have to offer. And maybe you'll end up uh, not wanting to do more than just that. that. That is the idea. So what are your next steps then? So my more immediate step um, that I want to launch in the next couple of weeks is a forum where I want to bring together into an actual conversation on Zoom CSR professionals, social enterprise founders or social entrepreneurs in the refugee support field and refugees themselves. And instead of assuming all of these things that we're assuming individually, I want us to all get together and talk about what we want to do and what we want to achieve to make sure that what I specifically want to do, it's done right because I already have a couple of refugee entrepreneurs that I have on board because I feel very strongly that they need to be involved every step of whatever it is that I like to develop. And I think that starting with a conversation is the best way to achieve that selfishly for my benefit i really want to network with these people and i want to hear what they have to say so that i make sure to incorporate all of that from the very start so i'll start that hopefully in a few weeks the people that i've talked to so far have been very um very keen to take part in that so i hope that goes well and after that 
I've already talked to some people from Chiron. I don't know if you know them. They're an online platform that creates free education courses for refugees. They're not based in the UK, they're in Europe, but they are very keen to partner up as well and to to do some courses together for the education uh, program. So things are moving along and hopefully who knows when I'll have something ready to offer, but <laughs> I hope soon. <laughs> so thank you. Before you go, what are your, your final thoughts, your final words about all of this? My final words would be that I went there. I saw what was happening. I talked to people. I was incredibly touched by them. And I believe that other people would feel the same way if they open up to these conversations. So I hope that people will engage in those type of conversations and also that anyone who sees something that they want to change it can be done that was sol escobar the chair for the cambridge refugee support committee you can find out more about the work of the cambridge center for social innovation by following us on facebook twitter instagram linkedin and youtube <laughs>